Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and this is another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm joined by your favorite beat reporter, Chris Fedor. What up, Chris? What's going on, Ethan? How are you, man? Well, Chris, it was a slow day with the team in Paris, so no game or practice to attend, and a similar day scheduled for tomorrow. So, I actually got to do some swiping on social media and see what the Cavs have been up to over the last couple of days overseas. Here's a couple of them. A team photo at the Eiffel Tower where we got to see a lot of the personalities of the players as Cavs media was all around them, even when they got into what seemed like their hotel early Monday morning, the Cavs media was there getting the team's reaction to landing in the city of love. I can't go on with this podcast without mentioning Sam Merrill taking a team picture at the Eiffel Tower with snow on the ground and the Utah native had shorts on. Everybody else is bundled up. Everybody else has a jacket, sweatpants, probably multiple layers on, and Sam's just out there with thighs out. It's insane. <laughs> Acting like a football player that you see warming up without any kind of long sleeves on or anything along those lines when it's freezing cold just so that they can show how tough they are. That was his true Utah self coming out in that photo. He was the only one who was wearing shorts in that photo. Now he had a jacket on and those jackets that the Cavs had custom made, they obviously look pretty warm, but shorts when it's that cold out, come on, Sam. Hey, they say it, though, like if you're born in Wisconsin, if you're born in Chicago, if you're born in Utah, Denver, maybe it doesn't affect you as much. I was born and raised in Cleveland. I've been here my entire life, and the cold still affects me in a negative way. So I would not have been like Sam Merrill wearing shorts in front of the Eiffel Tower. No chance. I'm scared that they told him he had to put the jacket on because he had to match the rest of the team. Otherwise, he would have been wearing a short sleeve shirt or something. Who knows what he had on underneath the jacket. But those jackets were also very nice, by the way. But getting into the next couple of things that I got to see on social media, we got to look at Donovan Mitchell attending yet another Adidas event with French kids that was moderated by an interpreter. He was taking pictures afterwards and also signing autographs as Donovan Mitchell does. Darius Garland, who traveled, although he won't play in Thursday's game due to a fractured jaw, conducted a fireside chat 
with the New Balance family in France. For those who don't know, Darius Garland signed a deal with New Balance at the end of November 2023. So this was one of the first New Balance events that he got to attend. And of course, it's even sweeter being overseas in Europe. Then, after these individual events, the team returned together to go through practice, but also they held some events at the practice facility. Tristan Thompson, who was the Special Olympics' newest global ambassador, and the Cavs partnered with Special Olympics France to invite students from a local elementary school to the practice facility for lunch and an opportunity to take a pledge of inclusion. The Cavs also partnered with Special Olympics France to host 60 Special Olympics athletes and partners at the training facility for an NBA Care Special Olympics clinic. So, it's safe to say that they've been there for around 48 hours and have already done a ton. First thing I wanted to ask you, Chris, is how much have you gotten used to these guys just immersing themselves in communities that shower them with love wherever they are, whether it's Cleveland, giving back to other communities that they used to be a part of with other teams, and now in Europe. So that's the thing, Ethan. This trip to Paris, it's not just a basketball game, right? It's an event. And that's the thing that I've been saying to everybody. There are so many different responsibilities that these guys have while being in Paris that go beyond the basketball floor. There are so many initiatives that they're going to be doing while they're there along with the NBA, because that's what the NBA Paris games are about. And next year, it's probably going to be Victor Wembanyama, and obviously that's going to be a huge deal for the Paris games being in France. But for the Cavs and the Brooklyn Nets, it's an opportunity to immerse themselves into a different culture. It's an opportunity to showcase their skill set in front of a different audience. It's an opportunity to do these coaching clinics, all these other events that surround it. At the end of the day, yes, the Cavs are going there because they want to win a basketball game and the same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. But it's an initiative from the NBA to just make this a big week-long event. And you can see Brooklyn doing it. You can see the Cavs doing it. And when the Cavs come back from the trip in Paris and we have conversations with the players and say, hey, what was your favorite part about Paris? Like, what stood out to you about that game? I guarantee that a majority of the guys are going to talk about the stuff surrounding the game, the stuff leading into the game, not so much what happens on Thursday afternoon. Right. And I saw Isaac Okoro making jokes as he does. And this joke in particular, he wanted to make sure the fans heard. He said it twice in the same video, saying that there's ice next to the Eiffel Tower. And he wasn't referring to the snow on the ground. He was referring to himself. And the two going hand in hand. Obviously, that (laughs) is just so Isaac. And then Jared Allen apparently got a new nickname from the team in Dr. J.A. And the team has just been getting to bond in an immense amount. Is this one of the more fun or, let's say, goofy Cleveland teams that you've gotten to cover where everyone's had a personality? If not, do you have a favorite or moments that you recall from covering this team over the years? Last year's team was really, really connected. They had a great vibe. Darius Garland was talking about the vibes being immaculate. They liked hanging out with each other off the court. They went to team dinners together. They played with a lot of joy and all that kind of stuff. So there have been a lot of 
teams recently that have had this kind of connection, this kind of camaraderie. And I think, Ethan, honestly, one, it speaks to the kind of players that the front office targets when building this roster. They want guys who fit behind the scenes as much as it is in terms of on-court fit. They want the right people inside this organization. And that was part of the appeal of George Niang. They knew that George and his personality and just the way that he can relate to a bunch of different players, no matter race, no matter age. He has an ability to connect with anybody. He has shown that throughout the course of his career. And the Cavs got that kind of feedback about George Niang and Max Struess and his personality. Kevin Love obviously spoke very, very highly of Max. And he had conversations with people that he knows inside the organization. And members of the organization reached out to people in Miami and people close to Max Struess and people that share the same agent and all that kind of stuff. And it's about the people and it's about how they fit behind the scenes. So big part of it is the front office doing their research, doing their due diligence and bringing the right guys to blend into this group. The other part of it, Ethan, is J.B. Bickerstaff deserves a lot of credit for the culture that he has built in Cleveland, making it really, really competitive, making it team first finding ways throughout the course of a long season. It's 82 games. It can wear on you. You're around these guys constantly. You know, families fight. Families get on each other's nerves. (laughs) It's not always a great thing when you go through a lengthy season and you have hiccups from time to time, especially when they're on the court and they carry over into the locker room where frustration builds and stuff like that. But like JB does things to try and loosen up the group, playing music at shoot-around and during practices. And there are different themes when it comes to the music that he chooses. Uh, They had a water balloon fight last year on the road as part of one of their long road trips. It was an impromptu water balloon fight. And it was a way to kind of like break up the monotony of the day-to-day. It was an opportunity to just bond together as a team. They have team dinners all the time. So... Like J.B. Bickerstaff has tried to build this culture like that. And he deserves a lot of credit for the way that these guys connect on a day-to-day basis and the way that these guys play on the court as well when that carries over from everything else. It just also seems like these guys are so lighthearted, but like they can flip a switch when they get onto the court and are extremely focused that they all have that same mentality. Like, we can have fun as long as the work is getting done. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of teams in the NBA understand that, yeah, you can have fun. Yeah, you can crack jokes. Yeah, you can laugh with each other. But when you get in between the lines, it's go time. And it's a business. And you've got to lock in. And you've got to be a competitor. But that's how it goes. Like, if these guys weren't the ultra competitors that they are, They wouldn't be in the NBA. All right. With all that being said, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to take a look at which team in the East could pose the most trouble for the Cavs. But before then, become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Let us know who you think the East could have in the four seed with the Cavs, Pacers, Magic, Heat, all of those teams. Lean in to try and get into that spot. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or 
Visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back. All right, Chris. Entering Tuesday's games in the NBA, there were five teams in the Eastern Conference with the same record of 21 and 15. The Knicks won and the Magic lost on Tuesday. So the standings changed just a little bit, but they're going to change a lot over the remainder of this season. The Pacers recently lost Tyrese Halliburton for at least a few weeks with a hamstring strain after a nasty fall. The Knicks are looking dangerous with their new lineup, including OG Ananobi. The Heat are the Heat and are always going to put up a fight. And the Magic have been proving themselves with their quick transition play and defense. Chris, who do you think is the most dangerous team for the Cavs as they all try and go for the fourth spot in the East? And who does Cleveland match up worse and best against in a seven-game series? The Knicks are the worst matchup that you could imagine for this team. Still, and I know that the Cavs went out and they brought in Max Struess and George Niang to space the floor to knock down threes and to keep the Knicks from loading up on Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland the way that they did defensively in the five-game series. Well, it was a seven-game series, but it only went five games because it was so non-competitive. So, like, there are elements to this new-look Cavs team that I think are going to better match up against the Knicks, but the Knicks are still an elite team when it comes to rebounding, even without Mitchell Robinson. Isaiah Hartenstein has picked up. Julius Randle is a load for the Cavs. He's just more physical, stronger than somebody like Evan Mobley. Jared Allen can get overwhelmed physically from time to time against the burly Knicks front court. Josh Hart is an elite offensive rebounder. He's an elite rebounder, period. Dante DiVincenzo has brought like a different three-point shooting element to the Knicks. And OG is the kind of guy who can give somebody like Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell trouble in terms of his elite on-ball defense. So I just think even though the Cavs aren't going to admit it, I think there's still the same feeling around this organization that there was last year. They don't want to see the Knicks in a first-round playoff matchup because it is not a favorable matchup for them. There are other teams that are out there in the Eastern Conference that if the Cavs were to play against them in the first round of the playoffs, if they get to the first round of the playoffs, if they avoid the play-in tournament, there are other teams that you would think the Cavs would have a better shot against as opposed to the Knicks. It's just not a very good matchup because a lot of the Knicks' strengths are the Cavs' weaknesses. And Jalen Brunson, by the way, Jalen Brunson has outplayed Donovan Mitchell in two straight playoff series. And there's no reason to think that he wouldn't do it a third time. 
So that's another layer to the whole conversation. Yeah, I mean, the East is a gauntlet. Like, every year, people talk about how hard the West is. This Eastern Conference this year is going to be a dogfight for fourth place. Like, the top three teams, we understand. We say in every podcast, those three are in a different tier. But to just get to the fourth spot, we're not talking about the fifth or the sixth seed because those are up in the air too. But the teams four, five, six, seven are either a game or half a game or tied is ridiculous when we think about we're already past the quarter mark. We're nearing the halfway mark. It's like there's so much basketball to be played, but we talk about not chasing wins. But I don't want the Cavs or any of the fans to be clutching their pearls when it comes down to the wire because we've been saying it all year that this Eastern Conference is just tough. And there's a lot of good players in the league. And obviously that trade to the Knicks with OG Ananobi, I mean, you lose R.J. Barrett and you lose Emmanuel quickly, but you gain another dog. Like, I was watching the game today and OG had like 11 straight points for the Knicks. It's ridiculous how offensively savvy he can be. But on that same spectrum, talking about trades, do you think that there's a trade that could instantly spark a team's immediate growth? There's been talks and or rumors of DeJounte Murray back to the Spurs, Pascal Siakam to multiple different teams, Zach Levine in trade talks with multiple organizations as well. Is there a realistic trade that you think could swing the tide for any team in the league? Again, I don't know what the package would be, but I think you hit on the key players at the trade deadline, and that's what it comes down to. Are there players available that can shift the landscape in the Eastern Conference or shift the landscape in the NBA? And, you know, OG Ananobi was a big-time pickup for the Knicks because he filled in the gaps, because he's a better fit, because he brings a spacing and a shooting and an offensive element, a more reliable one, I think, than R.J. Barrett and a different kind of style than R.J. Barrett as well, while being an elite on-ball perimeter defender. So that one has the ability to be one of the more impactful trades that's made at the deadline or ahead of the deadline. Beyond that, I mean, I think Pascal Siakam, if he goes to the right place, he could certainly be a huge lift to some team. I think Jordan Clarkson, if he gets to like the Knicks as a microwave scorer off the bench, Alex Caruso could do a lot for the defense of the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, I think this is a situation, Ethan, where, yes, a lot of people are going to look at DeJounte Murray, a big name guy. A lot of people are going to look at Siakam, more of a marquee name. What do the Warriors do with their team? If they start to shake some things up, one of those guys could be really, really interesting in the right situation. Andrew Wiggins being one of them that comes to mind. Are the Jazz going to move on from Lowry Markinen? Do they get blown away with a trade offer? Like he's somebody who could shift the landscape in the East or the Western Conference. So while I do think like, The more marquee players are ones that people are going to think about initially, and I totally understand why. The right fitting guy can make such a difference for a team, especially in the Eastern Conference, that is pretty clustered together. You know, I think Boston has separated itself with Milwaukee, with Philadelphia. That's the top tier in the Eastern Conference. But then it's the Knicks, Heat, Pacers, Cavs, 
Magic, any one of those teams, like a small move that is the right fit, I think could make a significant difference. Or if Milwaukee is trying to separate from Philadelphia, you know, getting somebody like Alex Caruso that brings the kind of defense that Milwaukee is lacking right now could be a big time pickup for them. The New York Knicks adding, like I said, Jordan Clarkson to basically replace the scoring off the bench of Emmanuel quickly could be a significant addition for the Knicks, allowing them to separate themselves from the Heat, Pacers, and Cavs. So those are the kinds of moves that when we're looking at the Eastern Conference and how these teams are all jumbled together, those are the kinds of moves that I'm paying attention to because I think those could be really, really important. Also, we talk a lot about the players being fits for teams. We also got to mention the systems that they're being implemented in. Someone who has figured out the culture for his team and has created a culture that a lot of players in the league want to play for, have at their top of their list, is the Miami Heat. And Eric Spolstra just signed a multi-year deal to stay as their head coach. And, I mean, we always talk about how the Cavs going to Miami has been tough over plenty of years and now you look at oh well they're gonna have to go through the heat and spo for more years to come yeah and here's another thing too even when we're talking about potential playoff matchups for the Cavs in the eastern conference we can't ignore jb bickerstaff and the coaching matchup against some of these top tier coaches in the east eric spolstra being one of them Rick Carlisle being another one for the Indiana Pacers. Last year against the Knicks, JB would admit it. People inside the organization would admit it. JB got outcoached by Tom Thibodeau. Now, he didn't have great options when it came to his rotation and his in-game adjustments, and there was only so much that he could do based on the roster that he had. It's different now. He's got more playable guys coming off the bench. He's got better fitting players. He doesn't have as many either-or choices when it comes to offense slash defense. He can go with guys that can provide a little bit of both. So having a better roster is going to make him more equipped in a coaching chess match against whoever it is in the first round. But if the Cavs play against the Miami Heat in the first round, coaching advantage significantly goes to Eric Spolstra. And you could say that about Spo against a lot of coaches in the Eastern Conference. Spo is arguably the best coach in the entire NBA. And he is a guy who can make a difference in a seven-game series. And if you look at a series going into it and you say, it's going to be a tightly contested matchup, it's going to be highly competitive, what's the X factor? What's the thing that could swing the series? What's the advantage that one team has over the other? If you think the Cavs and the Heat are close together going into that series... Eric Spolstra could end up being the difference between the Cavs winning that series and losing that series. He is that kind of coach. And that's something that, yeah, the Cavs are going to have to deal with for this coming year, maybe if they match up in the playoffs, but for years to come as well. And it just makes the road a little bit tougher because JB, he has not proven that he is on that kind of level as an X's and O's type guy. This NBA season has already been nutty. You got the Draymond Green situation in Golden State. You got John Morant being out for a good majority of the first quarter of the season and then getting 
injured and is now out for the rest of the season. And now you look at the East and you look at the West and both sides are a gauntlet and it's going to be a dogfight to see who gets to the end of this whole thing later in June. Like it's been a fun season. It's been a wild season, but we're happy to be here and give you the insight, especially on the Cavs. So with that being said, that'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.